Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m., 7 p.m., and Monday mornings at 1 a.m. You know, I guess I should say Pacific Time here in the United States because we're heard all over the world, which is actually very exciting. We're also heard all over the world on our podcasts, and our podcasts, of course, are available. I call them broadcast podcasts. At SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, many, many other uh, places that uh, we encourage you to uh, go to uh, to check out uh, what our guests are doing. We're going to be giving you their um, our, our guests' website today here in just a short time so that you can continue your evolutionary process, your transformational process, and we hope that you will do that. We also hope that you will support us financially. If you can do so, we would greatly appreciate that. We have PayPal and Patreon accounts for your security as well as ours so that you can support what we are doing. And uh, we thank you for doing that if you're able to. Uh, And um, we also hope that you will um, participate in the campaign we've been going on that's been going on since November I beg your pardon September of 2019 and that is sounds kind of odd doesn't it uh, and that is um, the the campaign 2020 the year of perfect vision well believe it or not today we are going to kind of touch upon that about going within uh, and getting that inspiration that insight that guidance even finding that peaceful calm place that you can just relax, Take it easy, um, calm down from maybe the day's events or prepare for the day's events by centering yourself. And uh, I'm very excited to uh, have our special guest on because she was actually referred to me by someone I met uh, in uh, Solvang, California. It's a small little Dutch community to the uh, northwest of Santa Barbara in what they call the Valley. And... Um, her name is Skye, and uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Skye Taylor, it's great to have you with us. And all the way from one of my, it's not just my favorite place, it's where I want to be living. And if I could do it, I would be there now. Uh, but I know I'll get there eventually again in Ireland. Thanks for joining us all the way from Ireland. Hey, Richard, thank you very much. I'd just like to finish up that connective tissue that you laid out there with the person you met in Solvang, whose name is Trisha Johnson, and she's a very uh, skilled tarot reader um, at the, so which store is that there? Uh, it's, I believe it's uh, the Mystic, I'm trying, a messenger or something along those lines. Yeah, one of the. One of those stores that provides a lot of information about the things that we're about going to talk about yeah. in terms of books and um, probably um, other items that we sometimes accumulate in order to make us feel a little bit more secure and a little bit more quiet inside. Yeah. Well, yeah, there here are I many, am many. Ireland, and I do hope you get here. Yeah, uh, well, you know, I, I tell you, it's it's been uh, a dream of my wife's and mine ever since we visited. Uh, we've been there twice, but it's been in the early 20 sec- 21st century. We were there in uh, 2002, 2003 over uh, Christmas, New Year's, 
uh, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then we came back the following year, 2004, for her birthday, February the 2nd, and, um, mm-hmm. and went to, to uh, Bridget's oh. Well and um, took some pictures. And actually, I, I've looked at them. We've looked at them over and over again, and we keep thinking, oh, no, those are just leaves that were in the water. They weren't leaves. They don't look like leaves. And we have both concluded that somehow, some way, the fairies allowed me to take pictures of them. <clears throat> so I thought that was pretty cool. And I kid you not, folks, that's what they look like. They do not look like just leaves that fell off the tree. Um, Ireland is a rather mystical place that a lot of people don't know about. I mean, many people might have researched or uh, may have read stories about the, the Celtic traditions and, of course, the Druids and so on and so forth. But that tradition, just kind of starting off, that is that something that you've gotten into in any way since you've been living in Ireland? Is some of the mystical aspects of the land and and its people going back uh, generations? I've even heard it said that that uh, the Irish people are actually, and I don't know if this is true or not, one of the lost tribes of Israel. Yeah, there's a lot of um, connection to the ancient peoples of the original cosmologies on this planet that came through Ireland and um, probably seeded the Maori people in New Zealand, probably had connections to some of the southern American tribal nations and um, swept up from Africa with the dispersal of the Israeli people and who some of them went into the east, into India and so forth, and some of them came up through what we now think of as Eastern Europe and the Scandinavian countries and through particularly the outer islands of the Hebrides and the um, Faroe Islands and um, that whole culture, that knowledge, that ancient understanding of our place in the cosmos has been held here for centuries and the Druids obviously had it but I think more than anything in Ireland it's the land that has it. Mm. Well, I love. Uh, and I have, yeah. I was going to say, uh, there's a line in a song by um, Mary Black, uh, who, by the way, is uh, uh, the uh, singer in our theme song. And oh, cool. the line is, "You don't own the land; the land right. owns you." Right. Well, we serve the land, mm-hmm. and in that way, we're. I came here because I have Celtic roots anyway. Mm-hmm. Most of that trajectory from um, Africa and out through Europe and all of that is shown in my DNA. I had that done. It was very interesting to me. But also because I do have a reverence for the land. And I lived in America for over 40 years. And it just seemed to me that I couldn't really um, thrive there very well partly because I got so um, separated from 
the true nature of the land. You know, it's very difficult to live out in the wilderness. It's not really possible for a single woman. So wherever I went, I kept running into um, difficulties with my relationship with the land, and partly because of the way I perceived people assumed the land was there to serve them. Mm. And I thought that if for me to stay healthy and to be viable and helpful, I needed to get to a place where I could have my own genuine relationship with the land. And mm. I was able to come here. I've been here just over two years now. And obviously you love it there. Um, I do. Yeah. I, I feel at home here. One of the things that made us feel at home was, and I remember talking with a gentleman. He was from Northern Ireland, but he's still Irish, and and uh, we had a wonderful conversation. He says, when I told him about our, our affinity for Ireland and wanting to live there and spend our, our final decades there, uh, he says, well, what is it uh, about Ireland that you love so much? And, of course, uh, he was waiting for the answer, and it's the people. There's something about the Irish people that is is so welcoming. Um, yeah. We were driving through Dublin on our first trip, and uh, somebody pulled alongside us. Our windows were down, and they said, hey, would you pull over? And they said, okay. We didn't know who they were, but we didn't feel any threat. And they said, are you lost? And then we said, well, yeah, kind of. Says, I says, how did you know? Says, and he said it this way. He says, because your indicator's still on. Well, the indicator, of course, is our turn signal here in the States, <laughs> and it was still on after we had made the turn we made. Um, but it's just the hospitality. You go into pubs, you go into stores, wherever you go. Uh, if you don't look like you belong there, for example, there's always somebody there who is um, you know, willing to help in, in any way that they, they can if, if you need it. Um, it's true. And, and it's just a beautiful thing, and it's a shame that... That doesn't exist more uh, in the world today. Um, it's, it's really unfortunate in that respect. Tell us a little bit about, about Sky Taylor. How did you get involved with all of these different, um, I'll call them <clears throat> modalities of spirituality, of the metaphysical world, as I like to call it, of the mystical world? I mean, you... In your on your website, you have the various modalities of the tarot and astrology, feng shui. Feng shui. You have uh, <clears throat> an aspect of healing, uh, healing trauma in people. Uh, the shaman's light and chakras, meditation, prayer, and guides, uh, and so forth. And I also want to talk because I want our listeners to find out more about this. We'll talk about this later about about the honeybees and that connection that you have. But let's start with that aspect of. Uh, Sky Taylor's connection with, and it's actually Reverend Shaman Sky Taylor, to be more precise, uh, with a healing ministry. Tell us about how you got started. Well, um, I've been kind of like this since I was a kid. And I didn't, um, when I, when I was a child, I understood that I had a calling and it was very difficult within the normal education and the ordinary family dynamic to do anything about that. So when I left college, I knew that I wasn't going to do an ordinary world career and I was not 
I was very clear that I was not going to have a family. And the reason for that was because I wanted to study all of these things. And it's very difficult to find the time to deeply study things that go you go down this rabbit hole and you find that connection and you want to study this and it might take you three or four years of actual academic study to, to understand this subject. So to do that as a parent, I knew it wouldn't be possible. So I decided to not go the family way and to go the solo way. And at the beginning of my inquiry, I did one of those old, what they called magic bus trips from London to Delhi in 1977. And uh, you got on a bus in London and you basically got off at the border between Pakistan and India. And it took six weeks of uh, uh, indescribable <laughs> days <laughs> to get there. But I ended up in a village on the Ganges. And I knew I was kind of looking for a teacher, but I didn't want to just go to any teacher that was putting the Western students in. I knew I didn't want to go that route. I wanted to just find out who I was and what was calling me to this path. So the first and most important thing that happened to me is I got a sense that I did actually have a guide. And to my dismay, this guide said to me, as I heard in my head or in my heart, while I was bathing in the Ganges, he said, your teacher is in America. And I was like, you're kidding me. I come all the way here to this sacred landscape and you want me to go to America to do this? Yes. So I did. And gradually I just started studying. I used to work in the theater industry. I was an audio mixer for big musicals. And so my first job, I was on the road with a musical show, which was great fun. But what I did is because you don't start work till 5.30 in the evening because you do showtime, you've got all day. So I would go to the bookstores and find these metaphysical books and I would study. And when you're on the road, if you're lucky, you have you know week-long stops, two-week-long stops. So later I did a national tour. We were in one place for three months. And I had all this time to study and study and study and pursue these interests. So that's what I did. Well, your journey sounds a little bit like mine in the sense that um, I, I, I've, always, I've just been curious about all these different things, not only in terms of the mystical world, but also in terms of uh, because I was born and raised Roman Catholic, uh, the, the Catholic <laughs> traditions, eh, the catechism too, you know, what little I remember, <laughs> and um but also the various sects of Christianity. I mean, that's the best way to put it, as well as other other philosophies, as I'm I like to call them today, because that's really what right. they are. And yeah. tr- trying to find the one that resonates with me, and what I found is that none of them resonate with me, and yet all of them resonate with me because they all have a a, a I think a core foundation. They have a a basis um, in the sense that. Um, they acknowledge that there is some creator somewhere along the way and, um, you know, that 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 put all of this in motion. I uh, don't know that, you know, I, I, I believe that I just I don't have any firsthand knowledge. 
that there is an afterlife, uh, that we are actually souls, we're spirit beings having human experiences, that kind of thing. And um, the aspect of just living in this world has been very interesting. I'm curious about what was it initially that resonated with you? What was it that the particular philosophy that drew you in? The um, first of all, I'd just like to acknowledge your own interest there. And I think that for me, rather than finding one that fits, I'm really looking for my own personal grand unified theory. So I one of the things I study is um, cross-cultural cosmology. And I'm an interfaith minister. So I'm interested in what they will have in common in the same way that I would like in our social discourse for us to focus on what we share rather than what divides us. So the first thing that happened when I was in India, of course, I was living in a Hindi village, a Shiva village, and I felt very comfortable there. But interestingly enough, as I boarded the bus to go back to England, because I basically ran out of money and I was obeying my guide, somebody came to the front of the bus and said to me, I think you would do very well to look into Buddhism. And I just said immediately, as a spontaneous response, I think you're right. So when I came to America, or when I arrived in America, I went to New York, that's where showbiz was happening. And I ended up in the West Village and with a West End show, I was very fortunate. And I had those years again of being able to study and I started to study Buddhism at that point. And I followed that for a very long time until eventually in San Francisco where I moved a few years later, I quit show business and entered the community of the San Francisco Zen Center and went into monastic training. And I stayed outside the ordinary world and inside monasteries, Zen and then Tibetan, for seven years. And I, I've, I've had only a flavor, shall we say, of the monastic life. It was, <laughs> and let me tell you, it wasn't much of a flavor because it didn't last more than three days. But <clears throat> it's one of those uh, opportunities that I took advantage of. We have a monastery uh, um, north of Phoenix, where I am originally from, and um, it's run by uh, some nuns, and I can't remember what order, what have you. But they, they have these, in, these cottages for one. And what you do is you, of course, register, you bring your clothing, you bring your own food and beverages and so forth. They have running water, you know, the regular, it's like a one bedroom, it's like a studio. Uh, and it's, it's fully furnished. But it's out in the desert. And I decided to go up there to spend two or three days by myself. And it's very interesting how our society and culture, and I say ours meaning the Western, and it doesn't ex- it does yes. not exclude, of course, Ireland because Ireland is is somewhat westernized in that regard. Um, yes, we have a really difficult time 
being by ourselves, don't we? I mean, it's 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 almost as though, I know what was it? Somebody was sharing with us in a program just recently um, how you know we um, we get up in the morning and maybe we turn the radio on as we're getting ready to go to work if that's what we're doing. When we get home from work, we turn on the TV or turn on some music. Uh, unless we're living with somebody, you know, you have a family, what have you, you've got all of that going on. And very rarely do we stop, sit quietly by ourselves and just, and to me, this is the definition of perfection, especially from the biblical standpoint. And we are, we just, this is grammatically incorrect. We just be, okay. To be is perfection. Just to, to be, be yeah. in be that natural. Yeah, state. exactly. Yeah. Have you found so this it? Is Go ahead. That we were going to discuss. Yes. Clearly. Let's 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 dive into that, so to speak, because it's let's a. Let's dive a, into this yeah. one because I think this is where people need most help, and this is what we're really talking about. Yes. It's not so much about me, but how can we reach the people that are listening mm-hmm. that might be looking for some kind of this bridge how do you move from the way we've been acculturated with our televisions and our radios and now our social medias and all the other gizmos how do we bridge that habitual pattern to one of silence inner trust quietude reaching one's guides and learning how to navigate your interior world. So where where, where do we start? I'm kind of afraid yeah. of that actually mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. What were you going to say? I was going to say where do we start with that? Well, the first thing you do is turn off the TV, turn off the radio, and turn off the lights. Mm-hmm. Okay. Light a candle or just sit with natural light. Gaze out the window, preferably one that shows you trees or some kind of natural landscape. And if that's not possible, maybe put a picture of something in front of you that makes you feel that you have a connection to what we call nature, the natural landscape of this planet. We, individually and collectively, are part of that landscape. We're not apart from it. Even if we live in a city or in some remote place, but particularly when we live in a place like New York City or in a dense environment, then it's very difficult to appreciate that we're connected to the natural landscape. If we can make that first bridge towards lowering the input of the media, the television, the radio, the phone, the headset, and the lighting, if we can just turn those off and sit quietly without needing to do anything at all except sit quietly for 10 minutes, this is a very good beginning. What we're trying to do is to actually move from the natural world, the nature of this land, 
our world into our innate nature, which is a landscape of the heart, the inner landscape. It's not the landscape of the brain, it's the landscape of the heart. And by that, I mean the centered chakra in the middle of your chest. So if you tap your sternum, the door to your inner world is right there. So maybe what we could do here, Richard, is um, do a meditation together, shall we? Please, let's do that. Okay, so I'm going to get put you through a guided meditation. Okay. And your responses will also guide your audience. All right. So the first thing you might want to do is for you, since you're in a studio setting, mm -hmm. here, which is right now getting himself comfortable, he's sitting on his seat, making sure he's sitting upright, making sure he's turning his senses, his ears, his eyes, his mouth, his, his sensory input, he's lowering that noise, and he's closed his eyes. This is very sensible. It helps a lot. The next thing is to find out where the busyness of your mind is. It's probably in your brain, in your cranium. So just notice where it is, because that's where we need it to be. The mind thinks that's its job. There's nothing wrong with thinking. It's what we think about and how we let it go out of control that messes us up. So what we're going to do is kind of capture that mind as if it's a bit of a wild cult and say, come on, let's settle down a bit. So you capture the energy of your mind with your intention, with your motivation to find the center of your being. So you could say to this wild cult or to your mind, come on, let's find our way home. And then you allow the mind, the activity of your mind, to just start sinking down past your nose, past your mouth, down through your throat, until you get down into your chest and you find this natural place of rest right in the middle of your stone, which we call the heart chakra. And I'm sure most of the people listening will know about their chakras. Sometimes when we come down, we get stuck on the way down. And we need not to push through that place. We need to just say, oh, okay, let's stay here for a minute and see what's happening. So maybe, Richard, you could tell us how that's going for you. Interesting that it uh, brings up uh, issues of judgment, not of me, but by me. I hear your Where words. do you find that? In your throat or in your head? Uh, I think more in my head. So as you approach this wild cult of your mind, you find that it brings up issues of judgment that you have. Is that right? Mm-hmm, yes. Okay. So 
the next thing to do is to be kind about that. Hmm. The first thing we have to do is to be kind towards the way we think and not judgmental towards ourselves. Even when we find that we are a little bit judgmental towards others. That's just grist for the mill. Mm -hmm. That's something we'll work with in time. So you could turn towards that to a judgmental part of you and say, oh, well, I've just met you. And... I'm kind of happy to know you're there, actually. Because I can bring some attention to you now. Hmm. How did that go? Yeah. Um, in terms of being kind... I feel as though there is an element of discernment, certainly pure judgment, and of course I'm in my intellect right now, my pure judgment is, is just that, but there is a certain element of um, sort of doing one's due diligence and going within and seeing if a place is safe, if it feels safe. Well, you could say that's a judgment, but it's really doing your due diligence, so to speak, from, from within, not from yeah, without. assessment. Assessment. So that, so to speak, puts, puts a softer spin on the judgment in that Great. respect. It's very important every step of the way in your meditation that all of you, all the little parts of you, all the different ways you think or feel or react, everybody has to be feeling safe. Mm. Otherwise, there's a backlash later. That... So with that awareness and that discernment, is it possible for you now to keep moving your mind down? Mm-hmm. Towards your heart center. Yes. Great. So let me know when you get there. And for the people listening, it's really important to take your time. There's no kind of popping in here. There are subtle channels between the head and the throat and the heart, and they go on down to your navel and your root. This is the central channel of what we call the subtle body. And along this channel are these chakras, the head chakra, the crown chakra, the third eye in the middle of your brow, the throat chakra, the heart chakra, which is our destiny today, our destination. And there's a, a navel chakra. Above that is another one we call the third chakra, and below it, the second chakra. And then right down at the base of your spine is the root chakra, through which you ground it's very important for us to understand these chakras and to come to visit them 
with our attention, our kind, safe attention, because they hold most of the information about our inner landscape, our emotions, our feelings, our experiences, especially those that have been difficult, trauma. And we can access these informations and heal through our deepening conversation and tenderness towards these places within us that hold all of this information. First of all, we want to do what Richard's doing, which is come down gently like a very slow elevator down into your heart chakra. And when you get there, just sense how it is. Is it comfortable? Is it tight? Is it warm? Is it cold? Is it, does it have shape? Does it have color? Don't make it up. Just notice what it presents. I'm how ready. Are you doing, I'm ready. I'm there. What does fine mean? Hmm? Say what does fine mean? I am ready. Uh, I am censored in that space. Great. So I'm going to do this here. In the center, as you hear Wednesday, and Richard says he's ready, he's centered. Then, with all of your inner senses, notice that somewhere in here is a door or maybe a gate or an archway. There is an opening. The first thing we do is find that passageway. He's nodding his head now. So you see that opening? Mm -hmm. Yes. So move towards the opening. And in your right hand, notice that you have something to offer. Spontaneously arises. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be a flower or whatever arises. And put it at the entrance. Make an offering. And step through into your personal inner landscape. Just stand there and take it in. Everybody's landscape is very different, but it is a landscape of the nature of this planet. It is not a landscape of a drawing or a different planet. It's a landscape that is made up of the five elements of which we are made and this planet is made. Earth, fire, wind, water, metal. These things come together, rocks, trees, whatever your landscape is. In everybody's landscape, there is a path. So notice the path in front of you, Richard, and take some slow walk down the path and you will find a seat, some kind of seat. 
When you find the seat, sit down. And take it all in. And notice that the landscape is noticing you. Mm -hmm. And stay there for a couple of minutes. Since this is an audio radio show, while Richard stays there in that experience, I would say to everybody, this takes practice. We don't always get there the first time around. It takes patience. But in this landscape, eventually, you will meet your guide. You will meet aspects of yourself that need your attention. And there are is a safe place here for you to do that because you've moved into your heart chakra, which is a safe place, and through into your inner landscape, which is another safe place because it's so personal, it's only yours. Nobody else can come in. And now you're on your seat. So you've taken your seat in your inner landscape through the door of your heart chakra. If you can get this far, you will find a new level of peace. And stay there and just do this every day. It might only take you 15 minutes, but it's an entire journey. And because it's a journey, now, at the end of your meditation, on your seat, you must get up and walk back down the path exactly the same way you came. You do not take a different route. When you do this inner journeying, you come back exactly the same way that you go in. So come on back, Richard. No offering is needed to be made when you leave, and you don't look back. You just leave, come back into your heart chakra, rest there for a minute, absorbing the experience of having been in your intensely personal, unique inner landscape. And when you find yourself shifting your breath naturally, then you allow your mental activity to come back up through your throat, up, up into your head again. And notice the shift. What do you bring back with you? Hmm. Extraordinary. <clears throat> I bring back um, certainly a a calmer me, if you will. Mm -hmm. I could uh, hear it in your voice. And uh, letting things be as they are yeah. so as not to allow my personality to get 
wound up in those other things of this world. Mm. Good. And I know that that does not last. So that's why, as you have stated, we need to do this every day, even if it is just for 15 minutes, to get back to that place. Um, yes, and if there's no um, admonition or judgment, if every day isn't possible, yeah. every day is, 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 a, is, a, is an aspiration. Mm-hmm. But you, the thing is, to know you have this tool. Yeah. That to is... Bridge the outer busy world to your inner truth. Right. We're talking with Sky Taylor, and uh, she has a website. It's called it's sky-talk.com, and that's S K, and it's Y E, correct? Yeah, S- like the island. Like the island. S K Y E dash T A L K dot com, where you can find out more about uh, Sky and the work that she does, and and um, and just really begin this process and. If you're listening to this for the first time, I highly recommend that you listen to it again and again and again and again until you uh, become proficient in um, in this process. And as you said, Sky, it it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. Um, you know, we've done a lot of different exercises on this program. I think that's the first time we went into a, a, a real guided meditation. First time I have, I should say, on this program. And um, obviously you stated it quite well that this is a radio program and we need to keep the audio going. So I appreciate your your awareness of that uh, uh, as well, because uh, uh, dead air is, is not our friend on the <laughs> On this program, dead air is fine if you're meditating. That's great, but but uh, but we we don't want any alarms going off saying, "Where's the sound? Where's the sound? Did I tune into the wrong Sorry. station? What happened?" Um, this oh is... damn! I lost my connection. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that's the thing, isn't it? That's kind of funny that because when we do go into our inner landscape, we do momentarily during that time lose our connection to the outer, ordinary, busy world. Yeah. And when, But we bring something back to it, like you said, a little calmer, a little more peacefulness, and a knowledge that we're not completely bound to this outer world. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a phrase um, I kind of like that I, 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 maybe the phrase is part of this too, but I, I like the way that this sounds. Uh, it's her. It's been said, as above, so below. Well, I say, as within, so without. And uh, so. Well, that's absolutely true. Yeah. But you get to know how true that is more and more if you know the within. Yeah. And that's something that we, as human beings, uh, especially in the West, I I would venture that it's not so much the case uh, in other cultures. Maybe like in India, although when I say India, I would speak more of the uh, less uh, modern areas of India where people actually do take the time. Uh, Maybe there's a similar to um, the way the Muslims, uh, the tradition is, the the philosophy teaches that you pray five times a day. Um, Well, I would think that in some cultures, 
you take time uh, sometime during the day. Uh, I've heard it said that, for example, in Mexico, they have a, I don't know if it's still true or not, but uh, a siesta. I don't know if it's from two to three or what, what the time frame is, but they, everybody just stops. You know, they stop working and they just relax and, and, uh, and then maybe take a nap, you know, or maybe meditate. And then when that period of time is over, they, you know, they go back and they're rested and they're ready for the afternoon and the evening and that kind of thing. So I think it's well, extremely very, important. That kind of thing is important. That's right. Yeah. Let me ask you about uh, seeking out our guides and how we can be sure that those guides or that still small voice, which, again, is, is a guide, um, is the genuine article. I've, I've yeah, heard. I've heard. Question. Yeah. Because I've heard people when they're doing channeling, for example, before they mm-hmm. go into that altered state, if it's conscious or unconscious channeling, either or, they mm-hmm. always ask, of course, for the white light and so forth and God's protection, that kind of thing. Uh, how does one verify? <laughs> it's trust but verify uh, that this is the genuine art. This is my higher self. This is my intuition. These are my guides that are for yeah. my best. It's very simple. Okay. It's really very simple. If you feel like what you're needing or hearing has some familiarity to it, is kind of, um, and it, you know, something that you can easily recognize or is, um, makes you feel a little actually uncomfortable. Any of those kind of either really comfortable or really uncomfortable things, neither of them are really a genuine sense of being in the presence of the sublime. Mm. When the sublime manages to reach through, and part of the reason we slow ourselves down is because our guides have to reach through our outer busyness to get to us. Mm. So it's easier for them when we pay attention inside. But whenever you hear or see or sense your genuine guide, it will shock you. It will be completely a curveball. It will jolt your awareness. You will be snapped to attention in a moment because it's totally not what you thought. Mm. They have a power, and they're not always still small voices, let me tell you. Mine comes right along with thunder. Wow. And sometimes it's very loud and clear with me when I'm going down the wrong tracks, which is great because you don't have to make me get into some accident to hurt myself to listen. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> that's right. very important. But the thing is, it will always stop the guy, the presence of your guy will stop your mind on a dime. Hmm. And you will be paying full attention in that moment. And then you know this is something you need to cultivate your relationship with. 
It's extraordinary, uh, the possibilities, if you will, that we have to get the answers that we need uh, whenever... Well, on that note, Richard, I wanted to try and add something in yes, here for please. people to feel. May I do this? Yes, go right ahead. There's right a ahead. lot of issues with people in the times that we're in. We're having to make decisions. And so some of the motivation for doing this quiet inner work is because you really want to ask questions to help you make decisions about what to do in the midst of this not knowing place that we're all in. So there's a lovely technique that I was taught way back in the 80s by a woman called Helen Palmer, who taught, amongst other things, psychic training. And this very simple technique is the only real decent way to get a yes or no answer to your questions, because the guides don't usually provide yes or no answers. They'll get guidance. Mm. But they won't make the decision for you. Right. So the way to do this one is you simply close your eyes again and visualize in front of you a flower, any flower, but a flower that you can clearly see that's alive and well and sort of visualized in front of you. And you just watch the flower. And then you tell the flower, oh, maybe you're going to move to... Um, for you, for example, maybe you're going to move back to Phoenix and you simply watch the flower, how it behaves. And it might drop all its petals and wilt. Or it might bring up and another flower bud appear. And this is your yes or no response. But what you then do is you say, okay, I'm not going to go to Phoenix. I'm going to stay right here. And you watch the flower. So you bring the flower back to its original visualization. And you ask again, okay, so I'm not going to go to Phoenix, but I am going to move to Ireland. Mm -hmm. And you see what the flower does. And this is really very simple visualization to give you direct yes and no answers to questions that are pressing upon you which you don't trust anybody else to answer, and you may not yet have a direct ability to communicate with your guides or to receive their guidance, or I use sometimes even I do trust my guides and know these things. It's just a quick kind of shortcut. Hmm. I found it very useful. Yeah. How about uh, the aspect of it's one thing as I've, I've talked about this on the program many, many times, it's one thing to seek out and listen to that still small voice, to seek out guidance from higher self, the still small voice or intuition. It's a whole nother thing to then trust and follow. Oh, you have to. Like I did in India. I didn't want to leave India. I got an offer to study all the subjects I was interested in in a monastery at the Ganges. Music, astrology, astronomy, gardening, meditation. They teach that stuff all in one curriculum, and it would have taken seven years. Mm -hmm. 
my guide said, your teacher is in America. So I went to America. And I found my teacher. Hmm. And uh, tell us... You have to follow the direction. Otherwise, you'll find yourself... You'll, just, you'll follow it 20 years later. Yeah. It will come back around. Yeah. And I've often I've often said this uh, initially I I was saying it somewhat seriously but someone said you I was being mean so I said well okay well I'll say it a little more facetiously if you're going to seek out and and listen to the guidance and not follow then why bother seeking out the guidance why listen um and in a way there is some truth to that 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 if you're going to do that then you have to trust you've got to start well, there's a there's a level before trust for most people. Okay. And the trust is but before that you ponder. Ponder. Okay. And that's, that's important one of to, my favorite yeah, that's things a, in the Bible that Mary pondered it in her heart. Yeah. You tuck it into your heart and you think about it for a while. Yeah. You don't have to do it tomorrow, but you have to tuck it into your heart and ponder. Yeah, I uh, I do a lot of that. I really do. Not so much from uh, listening to the, the the still small voice, but more as I am looking out at nature in particular, uh, and yeah. uh, listening to the sounds, uh, seeing the sights, yeah. if you will, feeling the 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 warmth of the sun or the rain or whatever it is, uh, and just kind of pondering all that. And one of the things that I have concluded. Uh, and I would love for you you to put some input on this. And granted, this is now talking about the outer world. But I personally believe that nature is our greatest teacher. Yes, of course. But the guides are not separate from nature. No, no, no. I, I, I wasn't even implying that. It's just that Many people ignore the natural world. And it's, I'm not talking about becoming an environmentalist here. I'm talking about, as the say, saying goes, stopping and smelling the roses. Or, in your case, the, uh, uh, the four-leaf clovers. <laughs> but, you know, we have to be kind about this, too. Yeah. Because some people have very difficult lives. They suffer a lot. Yeah. And when you're in a depressed state... You can walk by beautiful roses, and they're not going to really move you mm-hmm. unless you see them for a moment, like you hear your guide for a moment. And this may be what your guide is doing, showing you this rose. And you'll walk past, and you'll glance, and you'll notice the rose. And you'll just carry on with your head down a little bit, and then maybe you'll come back, and you'll notice the rose again. And then maybe something will prompt you to go, oh, maybe... I wonder if that one's got a nice scent. And this is what I mean by pondering things, is you walk with this guidance in your heart and you let it ripen in a sense so that you can come into alignment with it. And when for the umpteenth time you've passed this gorgeous rose bush and you finally smell rose, something in you is going to come into alignment with the guidance that is already in your heart. Yeah. It's not an overnight sensation. 
No, absolutely. Yeah, none of this is a quick fix. None of it. Um, Eventually, it's what we're not looking for is a quick fix. We're looking to feel whole. Yeah, yeah. Not fragmented. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, um, uh, as far as my health is concerned, for example, and I know this is one of the other areas that you, uh, you, you deal in as well, uh, through, uh, through the work that you do. Um, I have, I'm, I'm 60 years of age as of 2020 and, um, and uh, I have two conditions in particular. Both of them are reversible. If you will, I know this, I don't believe it. I know that they're reversible. Uh, but I was diagnosed with high blood pressure, I don't know, maybe seven or eight, maybe nine years ago. And uh, just recently was diagnosed as being type 2 diabetic. And, of course, a lot of the reading I've been doing, but also uh, firsthand examples uh, from people I know that I, I worked with who have done just that. They have uh, taken all of those, both of those conditions, and they're gone because they lost a bunch of weight. They changed the diet and so on and so on and so on. And when I take a look at those two conditions, uh, specifically the diabetes, the the, the type two, um, yeah, I didn't get here instantaneously. This is something that has developed over time. So, at least in this world, and I know there are going to be those in the spiritual or metaphysical community that are going to disagree with me. It's going to take me some time to reverse it, to take it, put it into remission. One of the other things I realized, too, is that every human being has the potentiality for, in this case, type 2 diabetes. Doesn't mean everybody's going to get it. It just means that unless you take care of your health, unless you eat well and you get exercise and so on and so forth, uh, unless you do those things, your odds are greater that you're going to get type 2 diabetes. So, uh, but yeah. But that doesn't mean that it's permanent. And that's the other aspect of all of this world in particular. And maybe this is where I've gotten some really good guidance over the years, reminding me of situations and saying this is not permanent. It's temporary. Everything changes. The thing is, Richard, we have choice. Mm hmm. If we don't recognize that we have the power to make different choices, then we won't think that we can get out of the extraordinary amount of input that comes to us through the television because we we think everything here is true or everything on the radio that's reported must be true. Yeah. So we in, unwittingly take in all this information without any critical analysis because we're never taught that in school no <laughs> and without therefore any idea that it's a choice as to how you respond to what comes in and how you choose what to put in such as what thoughts to think what food to eat what ways of having a good time all of this stuff is a choice and you're making the choice to realize that you can not just put this, you know, take this back, but to heal. And so really, in a sense, these two conditions that you have are signals, guidance, 
that you need to shape up a bit mm. in terms of your diet, in terms of your nervous agitation, perhaps in terms of whatever it is that pushes your blood pressure up. My blood pressure goes up when people get confrontational with me. I'm not very good at confrontation. I don't do well around um, verbal or physical violence. It really sends me for a wobbly and my blood pressure goes up. Even though I meditate pretty much every day. Yeah. Yeah. So we just have to realize that there's a lot of tools here. And in terms of your health, there's a book out which I've just come across, which I would love for you to have a look at in terms of the diet of detoxing the brain, of dealing with the internal imbalances of insulin and so on and so forth. And it's called One Spirit Medicine. I haven't, I've, I've been looking into it and I've got it on the way. And I think it's worth looking at. And it's written by the shaman that I trained under, whose name is Alberto Viola. And for those people who are looking for some healing, and I'm thinking also of the COVID long haulers, those people need support. And so they need to understand their chakras to keep them clean and to try to um, do some detoxing to get that long distance COVID problem. Some of these people have been sick for months. Mm. But if you go inside and realize we have a choice, and we can make different choices, like natural choices, like you're going to do. You're, you're already changing what you eat, right? You're already oh yes meditating. Oh. You're already well, the med- making changes in your life. Yeah, the meditation uh, is going to have to is going to have to come in. Because uh, I'm not I'm not an active meditator in that regard. But as far as the other elements, yes, the diet and the exercise. Uh, in less than six weeks, in less than six weeks, I went from a reading of 544 down to 141 as the lowest reading I've had thus far. And I'm still working on it. It's still I still got a little ways to go, but I've come down considerably. Uh, matter of fact, the uh, meter that I use prints out a chart, uh, and it's a little graph. You've seen like the cano- uh, the uh, coronavirus graphs or the the curve and so forth. Well, this has a similar kind of thing, and uh, it didn't take long on this graph. It didn't take long for the curve to start sloping downward into the green so you're zone. Curve. That's great. Yeah. That's perfect. So I've, I've. But meditation really works with high blood pressure. Yeah. So I it am going to do that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Say that one more time. It also works with pain. And oh. the trick with pain is to bring your mind to a place where instead of fighting the pain, it turns around in this kind, tender way. And touches the pain. Mm. As if the pain is a child inside of you. Something different, not you. And you bring your mind quiet, quiet. And you touch that pain. And then it starts to dissipate. I've had to go through this experience. I've had some super debilitating headaches in my life because I've had a few concussions. But the only way to stop it was to bring my mind down 
and touch the pain with my mind. Hmm. Well, I will tell you that the what you have shared with us here today is invaluable to those listening, is invaluable to myself. I thank you so much for uh, guiding me and us through that process. I hope folks uh, participated in that as well. And again, you can always go back and listen to it again. We hope that you will do just that. Sky Taylor, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on Tell Me Your Story. It's 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 been a wonderful journey. There's still so much more that we we can cover, and we will do that in future programs. Uh, there are there are I obviously two main reasons why I'm going to have you back. Number one, the main one is the fact that I will get to connect once again with with uh, with uh, with the motherland of Ireland, <laughs> dear old Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, even you more, can be my guest <laughs> I tell you what, we may take you up on that. Uh, uh, and uh, what, by the way, may I ask what part of Ireland you're in? I'm in southwest, the uh, very southwest tip of Ireland. County Cork? So, uh, County Cork, the southwest of County Cork, right out from here, like two minutes to the beach. And I look out at the... Um, what they call the teardrop of Ireland, the lighthouse that uh, oh my. is the closest to uh, an American coast. Have you made it to many of the stone circles? There's one near you, I would venture, called Drumbeg, I think it is. I've seen a couple, but I don't drive anymore. Ah. And my life here is very parochial. I can get to the village, which is two and a half miles away. I go to the beach. I walk the farm lands. I take my dog over the cow pastures, mm. and that's it. Well, that sounds I'm like a that it's sounds fantastic. like a beautiful life uh, to live. In that regard, uh, I know that um, I want to say, and I'm probably wrong about this, but on one of those fingertips on the west coast, there down in the southwestern corner of Ireland, I th- is I think is Dingle. I, I may be wrong about that, but the, Dingle is the third, is up a bit. Ah, okay. So Dingle Peninsula is like the fingers. So Dingle would be like the top finger, and then there's Bearer is the second finger, then there's Sheep's Head, and then there's the Mizzen. I'm on the Mizzen. It's You're the bottom, the, the lowest peninsula. Oh, so you get uh, right near. Yeah, you 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 get the Atlantic uh, surge there, and I'll, I'll bet too. And quite a, you know, as you said earlier, you were sharing with me about the weather there. Uh, when storms come rolling in, you you could you can tend to get the brunt of it as they come up from the uh, come up from come up the Atlantic. Yeah, but on that note, we also get fabulously clean air. That's true. That is the wonderful aspect of it as well. Well, this has been a, a, no pollution in this air. Uh, I know, and that's another beautiful thing about it. And uh, we will be very excited to, again, take you up on uh, on your offer of staying with you there. Uh, and uh, one of the things that uh, I know uh, is such a beautiful thing. We've, you know, we were lucky enough to travel throughout Ireland, um, most of Ireland. We didn't get up into the northern parts of the Republic, uh, and I, I still want to get up to Belfast, especially to to see the shipyards where they built the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But but just driving through, it didn't make any difference where we drove. That's it, right. It's it, so beautiful. It was just so beautiful. And uh, I love all of the stone uh, fences, if you will, that divide 
the, the walls, the stone walls that divide the property line. They look so marvelous and so um, perfectly natural. Uh, they're not all squared off and and perfectly neat and tidy. They're just it's just a wonderful scene, uh, and, and especially all of the green. Uh, our favorite yeah. community is the uh, heritage town of Lismore on the River Blackwater. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a small community down there in uh, County Cork along the coast. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Yall. And um, oh, the beach yeah. there is phenomenal. The stones are just unbelievable. Yeah, uh, and there's beautiful. so many, so many beautiful. We've been to Wicklow. I almost moved to Yall. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I, I would have no problem doing just that. Well, again, I want to thank no, you for, yeah, for joining us here on the program and for sharing with us. I do have three final questions I'd like to ask you, which you may have addressed in some fashion uh, uh, prior to uh, uh, during the interview. But uh, I'd like to ask them pointedly. But before I do, I want to remind our listeners that this program does come your way on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. And that's Pacific time, Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Pacific time, streaming live at those times on uh, at uh, richarddugan.com the podcasts are on soundcloud itunes TuneIn radio spotify stitcher player fm and other locations that folks are putting our websites to our uh, interviews to they're reposting the interviews which is fantastic and uh, also want to remind you uh, we are at 21,200 listens in two and a half years now be honest with you i'm not sure what that means exactly all i know is that uh, these interviews have been listened to. Uh, we've had uh, 21,200 plus listens as of this broadcast. So I'm excited about the number. I think it's pretty cool. Um, also, if you'd like to support what we're doing, PayPal and Patreon accounts are there for you on the homepage and the radio shows or the interviews, or I should say the missions page of richarddugan.com. I know where things are. And um, please participate. D d Take that segment of the program that we had, that guided meditation by Sky Taylor, and do it. I, I plan to do that. I, I'll remember how the, the process goes and moving down, 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 down through the chakras to the heart chakra, and then going to that special place that you find. Go, go through that doorway, that arch, whatever it is that you've conceived. Leave an offering. Find that seat. Um, and... Uh, Spend some time there and then you can ask questions if you want, seek advice or just take in the calm uh, and participate in 2020, the year of perfect vision. So the first of my three questions to you is. Who is Sky Taylor? On my bio page, there's a little poem and it says. I am a hazy dot on someone else's horizon. Hmm. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? I would like people to find their way home spiritually. And, and to be healed in their bodies as they take that path whether it's towards their death or to a new life, it doesn't really matter. The point is to be whole and at peace without resentment, without regret, 
to live a good life. And finally, what is your life's purpose? To relieve suffering and the fear of death. Well, Sky Taylor, I want to thank you so much for joining us, and I look forward to having you back again. We will set up another time for another Zoom get-together to converse about uh, those things that that make the biggest difference in our lives uh, and to help us in our transformational process. And I do appreciate uh, what you've shared with us today. And again, thank you once again. Thank you very much, Richard, for giving me this opportunity to talk to you and to those who follow you. And I know people are remembering. I'm sorry, say that one more time. I really appreciate this. Well, you're very welcome. And I know, folks, I know I said we were going to get into the honeybees. Guess what? That's going to be our next program. We're going to talk about that and maybe get back into this as well. Uh, And I want to thank you for listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast podcast, love to lol.